Welcome to Eat This, Drink That. I'm Ryan Crosby. We're here with TV host and food eater, Ali Khan. And hey, guys. Hey, guys. And we are with wine and beverage expert specialist, Steve Greer, out of Denver, Colorado. And this is episode 10 with the boys. Ali, what is our Eat This going to be for today? My goodness, my goodness gracious. Um, it's pretty much going to be the large volume of work, uh, which is my show Cheap Eats. And a great number of those episodes were devoted to what I think we all can identify as, quote, second, second. There's not a lot of room for my quotation marks. <laughs> your fingers. We're going to talk about second-tier cities. We're going to talk about the cities that people don't necessarily think of as dining destinations. And I think what's going to happen is you'll find out that people just have old info. You know, people think that things are just like stuck in way back when. And I think people want to believe in certain truths to be forever prevalent. And A, that's just not the case. There's a lot of interesting dynamic there. And I mean, you know, the future just keeps turning into the future. You know, like I, I, I would have been talking about this, honestly, at least 10 years ago. Um, because once something in the food world, especially in, in, in the world with with internet and even, yeah. even old internet, not even just Yelp internet, but you know, once you have like just this overall general interest of, of food news and food media, you know, and national magazines and stuff, once a trend happens, like somewhere, somewhere else, they're going to be like, well, when's this going to land here? Mm. And I feel like really in the last 20 even longer, but I think with with the internet, with with just you know more twenty four seven media, um, trends happen a lot faster. They carry over a lot faster, and um, you know as economies and cities change, so go um, you know where restaurants can really boom and thrive. And living in it right now in Austin, I yeah. can tell you. It's Would you say Austin at this point is a secondary food market or a primary one at this point? You know, I would very—I feel very confident in calling it second tier because it's simply not a large city. I, I think that, you know, you really have to just marvel in the fact that in America, in a multicultural society, large cities are just home to so many different types of people. And I think... I think one of the things we've all share with uh, our time living in Los Angeles is what makes it such a world-class dining city is that it's incredibly diverse. It yeah. covers all sorts of level of dining experience, mm -hmm. whether it's eating raw fish from a truck, right? You know, in the hood, mariscos, what it is. ceviche, all the way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying mariscos, ceviche. Yeah, I mean, literally, like, if you're having mariscos on the street or world-class sushi, both of them incredible imports done pretty darn well, you know, <laughs> pretty darn well in L.A. But at the same time, you know, um, I just nearby in San Diego, um, yeah. there are spots that, I mean, shoot, even your old hood, Ryan. I mean, we talked about this a while ago. South Orange County, what was that like in the 90s? Compared right. to now, you have a place that has a lot of money, you know, you're, you're, you're a stone's throw from LA minus some traffic. Yeah. It's pretty reasonable, yeah. right? An but, hour plus. But it, was, it was very unsophisticated for a long time. 
I okay. think, you know, it just, you know, the word got out in the 2000s that, um, you know, bragworthy dinners are more than just a big hunk of steak or right. like a fish coated in butter. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. or, you know, it became, wow, this is Italian food from Italy. You know what yeah. I mean? Or, wow, there's 10 things on the menu I'm going to eat, you know? Right, and yeah. then, and then in came, you know, liquid nitrogen, you know? And then oh. in came the fact that purple carrots are super cool and Instagram, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, just cool looking produce became a, a really interesting factor. But again, I, I go. I bet on that produce side and yeah. the Instagram side, I bet you can now find watermelon radish on a menu somewhere in every city in the country. I just had it on pizza. I had it on yeah. pizza the other day. And yeah. like, let me tell you, would you ever think a pepperoni and sausage pizza ever would have would have radish on it let alone watermelon radish let alone radish right but because it looks cool and surprisingly it does break up the massive meaty monotony that is a sausage yeah, and yeah. pepperoni pizza but look i'll just say with cheap eats um many 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 of the episodes um not necessarily brooklyn or boston or or chicago right. per se but, I mean, we went to Omaha, we went to St. Petersburg, and one of the first things I would do in preparing for the show is we would have these Skype and FaceTime calls, and I would talk to the chefs, and I would say, what's going on with the food scene? What's happening? And, we, you know, we were shooting that show from 2015 to 2018. So we're on that back end of the tents where clearly, like, you know, social media, food network, Food shows like Triple D, Diners Ever to D, Die, yeah. Anthony Bourdain have just put everything in the forefront of food yeah. vacation is the norm, right? right. Mm. No longer some like, oh God, you just get, went there to eat this hamburger. That's a thing. It's yeah. an official thing. Right, you know right. what I mean? Like yeah. it's a full on thing. And um, you know, when I talked to St. Petersburg Port is a great example. We went there in season five. I started talking to the chefs there and they were like, listen, you know, we grew up here. We went elsewhere. Uh, some guys went to L.A., some were in Miami or whatever, even in nearby Tampa. And at one point they said to themselves, you know, St. Pete's not such a bad place to be. We just need to bring all this good stuff happening back here. And in come the breweries, in come these interesting restaurants that are just stepping things up a bit, offering, you know, more elevated options. Um, some of the best Italian food I've ever had. Mm. Il Ritorno, I just ate there two days ago. Phenomenal food. The guy cooked at the James Beard House. Apparently he just beat Bobby Flay on Beat Bobby Flay. Okay. I mean, Ridiculous Italian food. And and I always I bring all this up to really just add to this. I think people go to people like us to really say, like, what is it I'm just missing? You know? Yeah. Where is that hidden gem? What is that delicious thing that's in front of me? And I just never gave it a chance. Because I have this stuff in my head that says, Well, you know, if you want deep dish pizza, you go to Chicago. You, you talk to people in Chicago, not every people eat deep dish like once a year when someone visits them from out of town. There's a lot more going on than these kind of obvious, like almost like <clears throat> like stereotype trope, whatever you want to call it thing. Mm -hmm. But I mean, really cheap eats so much of it was just like, 
you know, I always boil it down to this. You have like two ways of looking at food when you're traveling. What's iconic and what's trending. And the latter part is what we're talking about here. Like what's happening lately? Like what are the locals excited about? And what could they be doing really, really well that might surprise you know, some places uh, that are more known for that kind of cuisine. I had Lights Out Tacos in Minneapolis. Really? Lights wow. Out Tacos. Lights so out tacos. I, I think, one, it's a good time to clarify why we use the word secondary or second tier. Mm. I don't want to piss Omaha off or St. Petersburg. <laughs> this is a population thing only. Yeah. You have your high population cities who naturally became food meccas uh, mm-hmm. for diners because of the diversity and the quality of the food, the money, and all that stuff that goes with a large city. L.A., San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Miami. Um, I probably left off Seattle on accident. Um, I don't know the population of Seattle. Um, then you have your secondary cities or second-tier cities only by population. So let's call it Ali's hometown, St. Louis, my hometown, Cincinnati. Uh, Omaha, St. Petersburg, uh, there's a plethora of these cities. There were trends in the 90s and the early 2000s where a lot of people left the places that we grew up because Mm -hmm. we wanted to experience, you know, we're in our 20s or 30s, we want to get out of our bubble, we want to go to a big city, be nobody, enjoy the whole thing a big city brings. People went to Brooklyn, New York, LA, they went everywhere. Um, I had a lot of friends that moved to Chicago. Then you reach a certain age and you might have kids. You might want to have kids. You might actually want to buy a house. Um, You naturally go back to where you grew up. And then all of a sudden you bring all this knowledge with you, especially hospitality people, um, bartenders, wine people, psalms, all that. 20 years ago, or let's just say five years ago, you would be hard-pressed to see a natural wine or maybe even some weird Italian uh, varietals in restaurants in St. Louis, Cincinnati, Omaha, whatever. All those psalms and people started moving back. Now you're seeing more diverse wine lists, more diverse menus, watermelon radish on pizza. Um, (laughs) I had my own experience. Well, I go back to Cincinnati enough to where you know, I get to see that happening in real time, especially in a neighborhood I lived in for a long time called Over the Rhine. It's right downtown. Um, it's exploded. Uh, it's not just Geta and Eggs and Cincinnati Chili in Cincinnati. People can travel there for other things. Louisville and Lexington are amazing food cities. Um, I had my own St. Pete experience. I went to hang out with friends who had just moved there from Atlanta. They lived at the very bottom of St. Pete, this little tip called Gulfport. I ate a lot of grouper sandwiches, like very, very good fish sandwiches. Um, The mayor of Gulfport also sings in a band um, and would hang out at this one restaurant that at night became a place where his band would play. So you could eat with the mayor during the day and then go see him play in some, I don't know, Jimmy Buffett esque band uh it was the jimmy buffett vision is incredibly i still have my golf tan the jimmy (laughs) buffett reference is spot on it's spot on in ambiance yeah spot on yeah and think about all the uh charleston 
South Carolina has exploded on the scene as yes. this amazing food city. That um, probably is the that Charleston, Austin. I would almost put in that category of like first tier, second tier, if you will, because they're they're. I mean, they're look, they're places that people from the big cities would actually consider for sort of some sort of vacation. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm in town for South by Southwest. Charleston is. Gorgeous. You know how many people from New York will even like move there, get some three million dollar house on Rainbow Row? Like it's there, there's there's an ocean, you know, um, and it's small. But I mean, they've yeah. had light, and they've had things. They've had lights out restaurants for years. Yeah. Not many because it's a small city. But yeah, there 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 are certain ones on there that are with respect to like our hometowns like Cleveland and St. Louis like yeah, you know, they they try and there's some moments here and there for sure. And they they were never like totally devoid of any kind of dining. But then there are the places, let's be honest, that like people from New York, you know, I talk to people from New York, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I really Austin's got great food." And what that really is is they went to restaurants that basically were familiar to them. You yeah. know what I mean? Like That's if you're talking point. about like Fine dining, pretty looking people. You're you're about a degree, two degrees away from it being nightlife esque. Yeah, they've, yeah, they've got yeah, that. Yeah. Personally, I think there's a lot more to. I, I'd I'd rather have the stand that does a rapist or the Bangladeshi dumpy joint like you find in Jackson mm. Heights, Queens. That to me is the <laughs> whole. That's the whole plate. Plus sides. That's the meat and three plus a big tall Arnold Palmer. You know what I mean? Right. That's the whole right. enchilada for me. But, you know, there it's uh, it's it's very interesting, and I think it almost markets cities. Like if you're selling real estate, you can be like, oh yeah, the restaurant. Was that the case thirty years ago? No. You know what I mean? Shoot, were people even buying condos in an urban environment thirty years ago? No, right. Just urban life, so. You know, I started understanding the whole idea of there's a whole nother side of this um, second tier. Let's call it second tier because it, they are still quality cities. They're second tier because population. Population. And then you, yeah. you go down from there. A uh, long time ago, first career was air pollution testing. I think we talked about this on yeah. um, some oh, episode. That, that was a jaw dropper. Yeah. And. I was in Paducah, Kentucky, which is in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. I was there for... It absolutely sounds like... When you said Paducah, Kentucky, <laughs> it pretty much comes with in the middle of nowhere. So to get there, you have to drive south of Louisville, get onto a state route, and go back up. And there were two revelations that happened. I was already into food, just, you know, I've always been into food. Um... TBA is based in uh, Paducah, so What's that TBA, Tennessee Valley Authority, they oh, provide. TBA. So that chain of power plants throughout the South provides all the electricity for all the southern states, and we were testing the plant that was, I want to say, ten boilers at one time um, in Paducah that supplied all this power for a big swath. Um, it's all interconnected. There's even some reactors in Tennessee, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, there's also money there because, you know, you're, you have executives who are operating these plants. Um, they were tired of just regular Paducah food, and they somehow convinced a French chef. I don't know if he was 
from France directly or was cooking in another city like <laughs> Chicago and then they brought him down mm -hmm. and they yeah. opened up this restaurant and I went in, it was in an old home, so an old southern home with little, you know, uh, <laughs> rooms here and there off of the kitchens, nice. very parlor-esque and you sat down and it was very quaint and the food was ridiculous. Wow. The food was other like this amazing quail dish. Um, the food was amazing. Wow. There was another little weird area called Land Between the Lakes in Kentucky. It's literally two lakes, or maybe it's one lake with a piece of land that goes through. Sounds like a chapter <laughs> from Lord of the Rings. Yes. <laughs> but a lot of people go there, and if Paducah is in the middle of nowhere, then Land Between the Lakes is the outer rim. Um, but they go there to boat and fish and do all that stuff. There's a lot of people with a lot of money. And there's a restaurant there in the land between the lakes called Patty's 1800. It had been there forever. Um, it's also in a big old home from my memory. It's been, this is in like 93, 94. Mm -hmm. Pork chops that were, you know, some local farmer that yeah. raised these pigs, probably a heritage breed. Everything was butchered on site. Beautiful, you know, two inch American style, so we need double the amount of food on our plate. Oh, yeah. Um, so big, giant, two-inch pork chops. Um, <laughs> the food was, they did these um, rising bread loaves. This was my favorite part. Pork chops were great, but um, they took clay pots, flower pots, and they put the bread inside. It ballooned over like a wow. flower, and then you just kind of plucked it, pulled it out of the flower pot with homemade strawberry butter. Hand churn, wow. fresh strawberries. Was it like a really whipped butter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, very yeah. whipped. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. Not overly <laughs> strawberry uh, yeah, flavored. Yeah, yeah um, but it was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, amazing. Yeah. This bread, I mean, this is 24, 27 years ago. I still remember the bread. I remember the pork chop, but wow. I've also had great pork chops all over. Um, you don't have to just go to New York to Brooklyn, to LA, to Venice, to San Francisco, down in the Bay Area, um, to have great food. There's a lot of places to go visit. So we talked about the consumer responsibility in the whole ecosystem. Right. That's also our response. Let's start hitting some of these other cities like Cincinnati, St. Louis. Yeah. St. Louis has had that little Italy on the hill for, yeah. I don't know, since the beginning of time. Yeah, no, and, and it's a very unique kind of, um, so that would we, we call the iconic, right? Um, so being from St. Louis and for many years going back to visit, living in L.A. but coming back for the holidays and stuff, you would start to like hear about certain restaurants and literally, literally the chef resume, the origin of the restaurant would be like, I went to the Culinary Institute of America. Um, I was working in San Francisco, and then they came up and opened up shops in St. Louis. And they would either really be very vocal and advocate for what their farm-to-table element is. Uh, a big start of it was the wine list, and really getting mm -hmm. kind of more having more Californian wines and things like that there, mm -hmm. not just it being like you know an old dusty list uh, of French <laughs> wines. That's what what all all a lot of you know the way a lot of this stuff functioned. I mean, you know, a lot of this stuff too is very interesting. Is 
when you think about like this whole second tier and stuff, you really have to look at what is kind of the evolution of the restaurant scene in America, which is big. But at one point in the 80s, the apex was French cuisine, was haute cuisine, was like the grand dam of everything. Right. And then somewhere into the 90s and it this happens more in some cities more than others, it's been supplanted, and I'm totally stealing from Jonathan Gold, sushi globally is now considered the it cuisine of we are going for it. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Does does wow. does when you get to the top of the mountain, it's omakase, you know? Right. Um, okay. And I think certain trends have changed and moved on. I think the pantry has gotten more global. But that reflection of new thoughts and new ideas trickles into some of the dining options in places like St. Louis. And then in other places like Austin, it's far more rampant. Like, it's mm-hmm. all over the place. Like, you have, um, you know, when people almost ask me about, like, what a, quote, good restaurant is, you know, a suggestion. And then right. they'll go, well, what kind of restaurant is it? And I was like, well, if it's a contemporary restaurant, they'll have butter and soy sauce in the pantry. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be like, hold on, guys. I think we're turning into a Thai restaurant because we're using ginger. Yeah, and right, you know, right, or whatever. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just that the, all that stuff ha- has changed. And I think, like, when you go to the super, you know, and then it's just like, what? What are people really going gaga about? Like the whole food truck, food trailer thing automatically thrusts Austin and Portland yep, in Portland region. Right. Because what I think is interesting, and I was pretty skeptical when food trucks boomed in L.A. Because I was like, well, these used to be super cheap little spots to get delicious morsels. And right. now it's somebody's concept of like an, of an overpriced cheesesteak, right? However, <laughs> in Portland, it's a legitimate option for dining out, BYO, automatically kid-friendly. You know? Like, I can literally take you to get pretty darn good respectable pasta from a guy whose Italian accent was so thick I had I couldn't order over the phone and I guarantee you if you eat this guy's pasta it's on my block Casa Golosa um and and it, you just you order the pasta from the trailer he brings it to you you, you can bring your own wine you know and you're wow. sitting there and you're just eating like legit pasta like it ain't just spaghetti and meatballs <clears throat> Um, but you know, it's funny. I think a big part of this whole second tier equation, we got to put cards on the table. We brought this up in an earlier podcast. You know, I think Steve, you said, Oh, Alice Waters is, is, is opening up a restaurant in LA. What that reflects is the PR machine. And when you talk about all those first tier cities, you're talking about fine dining and PR money. And that's what saturates you with of the drum beating over and over again, going, this is the best place. This is the best place. This is the best place. Like, did Dave Chang make the best ramen in New York City in the mid-2000s? We'll never know. Because his PR machine cranked it up, and now Momofuku, <laughs> now it's it. Now it's like, oh, well, there wasn't any, any of that stuff before him. You know, can you even think about it without him in the equation? So I think a lot of it is just like, it's kind of weird, almost being victims of the marketing PR machine, yeah. you know, because you yeah. get hit so hard with it. And that you think, okay, well, I'm hearing all the buzz, so that must mean that's the best. And buzz doesn't equate best food. No, that's no, it doesn't. I always like to think of it, I mean, we should, as 
consumers and travelers and food people, also consider following the money and trends. So I remember a long time ago, Toyota built the factory in Northern Kentucky, just outside Cincinnati. It's where the airport is. People are befuddled by that all the time. Why is the airport in Kentucky? Um, Greater Cincinnati is three states. It's uh, Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky. Anyway, they open up this big plant. It's Toyota. You have executives that move in, executives with money, and executives who want high-quality Japanese food. They brought a chef in from Japan, opened a restaurant up called Joanne's right by the factory. Um, you had to drive to it. It was a destination restaurant. You weren't just downtown and you're like, hey, let's pop over here. Um, that was the first time I had highly elevated Japanese food. And I was, I mean, I was immediately hooked. Florida. And the flavors and the quality and everything about it. And this is early 90s. Those same things and trends are happening right now as right. more factories are being built across the country. Um, Raleigh-Durham is one of my favorite little weird cities. One, I was there on work. Um, it's also an exploding secondary city because a lot of companies are moving there. I think it's mm. might be tech now. It was technology, but not tech as we think of it before. Um, I'm a big fan of Carolina barbecue. So obviously there was yeah. great Carolina barbecue restaurants. Um, there was just great elevated quality restaurants in this little place, Research Triangle Park in Raleigh-Durham. No one knew about it before it started uh, pumping up with a lot of uh, companies and people moving there. Minneapolis, you brought up Minneapolis. Apparently this has become the medical hub of the country. So all the big insurance companies, device companies, everybody's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's become the epicenter of the medical world. And as we know, medical industry is a fairly large industry. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of money there. So <laughs> it was one of my favorite airports I ever went into. And the highest quality of food I've ever had in an oh, wow. um, airport was in Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, I've always heard about Omaha. I still haven't been. I've heard the Omaha's whole good. I've been table. there. You know, it's funny. I you you can play the name game. I've been to a lot. Haven't been the Dakotas. Omaha. First of all, we had a friend who called it who moved back there. He's living downtown L.A. His name was Rob Rager, and he called it Omaha happening. And I went to Omaha. <laughs> and swear to God, it was. Totally. I mean, I went to I went to Des Moines that season. I went to a lot, number of places. Um, but Omaha, like, I went to a fantastic French bistro there. I mean, that had everything. You, it, it, it it had the look of Bouchon in Las Vegas. It had the look of Thomas Keller's wow. bistro. Wow. They had it there, you know. Um, you know, there, look, there's just places that you know, North Carolina is a number of cities that are actually doing pretty good you know it's funny in general it's all boom or bust and after years of doing cheap eats when i would be like into a city the biggest way to kind of rate the food scene or just the vibe of the city is look in the look at downtown if you see cranes you're in a place where things are happening they're right. building buildings for white collar jobs the money comes in and people have an expectation but interesting you bring up something yeah. i think very very interesting that if you talk to people like us you really get the opportunity to 
find a hidden gem restaurant. And there's sometimes there's no, the, the rhyme or reason of why it's there isn't quite obvious. <laughs> Growing up in the height of 80s French cuisine, there was a restaurant that I used to go to as a kid called Fio's La Fourchette. Now, it's since closed, right? It closed 20 years ago or whatever. But that was a restaurant where I first would order have chocolate souffle. I ate pate. I ate shellfish. I ate things that most children would never mm -hmm. eat. I ate all this stuff. And it's just in my memory. And, of course, when it's in your memory, it's very hard to ever shatter how good it was. Very odd. There is a Facebook group called the Lost Tables of St. Louis where people – it's just a nostalgia. It's like nostalgia porn. Wow. People just flood it with like menus uh, and pictures of old, long gone wow. restaurants, right? They put up the menu of this restaurant. I was looking at the menu when I was wow. nine, 10 years old uh, of all these like wonderful, <laughs> I mean, French dishes. The guy was Swiss French. Um, and what's interesting is the 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 facebook group has all the biographical information of this guy and it mm. turns out he's a chef from europe whatever he was cooking at vale and this wealthy person from st louis was like listen i'll give you some money open up a shop in st louis he takes up on the offer he goes to st louis the new york times this is like 1985 wrote an article going Think you can't get a great meal in St. Louis? Think again. Now, yes. contrary to what you brought up, the Little Italy and even the White Tablecloth Italian restaurants, here's this French restaurant that's getting props in the New York Times. And it just happened to be there. And it, well, the right. weird part was it was actually near the mall. It was like basically in the mall. But it was just this lights out. Wow. You had to order the chocolate mm. souffle as soon as you ordered your meal. Um we had these amazing like, chilled mussels. I mean, just just stuff that's like lost. Like it's very right. hard to find this kind of cuisine. Anymore. Slight tangent there because of the whole cuisine. I loved eating in the eighties. I miss fish and brown butter. Just very oh. simple. Um, white <laughs> fish and brown butter. French technique. Perfect. Like this Dover sole was yes. usually. The most expensive entree there was. More expensive than the filet. You yep. know, like this was before like Claude it's Roth like, was stuck it's on It's like a trope in old uh, cartoons or old movies, you know, the Dover Soul, right? Yeah. Yes. It was, yes. Yeah. You see it referenced. Oh, oh my God. So, speaking <laughs> of, I'm going to find this article. <laughs> I have kept this. Here it is. I just went through and organized all my old crap. I want you to pull out like a frozen uh, Dover sole out of your quiver. Yeah, I do have a streamlining poaching fish. For, <laughs> or streamlined poaching for perfect fish fillets from the New York Times in 1999. So January 27th, 1999. Wow. Great article on uh, cognac in America, Germain Rabin. Um, yeah. And it is... Asking for, and I, I couldn't find Dover Sole to do this dish. Um, and of course, I didn't have the uh, very thin skillet fish pan either. So, but I did, I made it a bunch Would for you a while. Tilapia? Um, yeah, it was probably, who knows what I used, probably some sort of cod. Um, but I could never find Dover Sole because 
Dover Soul always went to restaurants. And you, they have to fillet at tables. So all these yeah. things that yeah. are just like kind of disappeared that were really like signatures of quote uh, uh, going out. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's funny. It's like fish now is what tuna. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. And I'll, the guilt of standing in front of the fish case. It's, uh, I mean, it's a real thing standing in front of the fish case at the grocery store and just the guilt going through your body, my body, my mind. Um, fish, fish one's very tough right now. Yeah. 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 For the oh, secondary man. cities, you know, I, I, I was thinking about what Ali said about like food being a uh, vacation, right? You could, you know, destination restaurants, that sort of concept. And it made me think of, you know. The old school for that would be like going to wine countries or something. I'm thinking where the yeah. booze is like so heavily involved sure. as part of the trip. And so I'm trying to and, – and then I'm thinking of old episodes that we've talked about. And I'm trying to correlate how um, some of this uh, second-tier stuff works with the alcohol industry and working with um, there being interesting breweries or maybe interesting um, boutique wine <clears throat> manufacturers in these regions – um, that that would also uh, coax people to be going to the you know I'm, I wonder say I don't know Saint Petersburg but I don't know if they maybe have some breweries that are helping to fuel this. So that's kind of so especially in cheap eats. I literally came back going, man, this Bell's beer is really good. Now some of this distribution is really <laughs> increased, but I literally was like, I mean, having beers from all over the place. We bought this beer. I'm, oddly enough, they have it in our store here, in our lo lo the local little package store, Highlight, right? Oh, yeah. Florida beer, you know, yeah. um, solid IPA. Yeah. Um, breweries are huge, huge yeah. to it. And and I think they almost, I mean, now the concept is this, right? We may not have Dover Soul uh, filleted table side, <laughs> but we do have the brewery with the food truck. Which yes, is right. a radical thing of having really ripping excellent beer and something just darn tasty that doesn't carry the burden of like, well, everyone wants a hamburger, but, you know, we have to have a full restaurant menu. Mm -hmm. Give me five things, do it well. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, just give me that. I think that's kind of the cool salvation and a cool way to like kind of um bring a vision to life without the whole like burden of like oh man i gotta pay rent you know what i mean the rent on bringing in your truck's gonna be a lot cheaper than on your you know yeah those a lot of those trucks have way more fish you know they'll they'll make you a shrimp plate and people are like i will never see this many shrimp in an actual restaurant on right. my plate yeah. like what yeah. i can get from a truck yeah yeah, yeah. i think that distribution question is really good question because distribution importers have gotten very savvy in the last 15 years, 20 years, because they've realized that it's not just people that live in the large metropolitan cities that want to drink a amazing Cote d'Arone or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I'm throwing Cote d'Arone out there only because it used to be, you have Weingit Metzler, you had Kermit Lynch and Bobby Catcher's stuff. Um, those were your three main importers. And then you started having all these little guys in little city or, you know, large cities that said, you know what? I want to import 
brand, uh, smaller, even smaller, smaller family producers in these iconic regions. And I'm only going to sell it in San Francisco. Tons of little importers in mm. San Francisco. Tons in New York. Great burgundy that comes into New York and never leaves. It just goes right there. Slowly, in the last 15 and 20 years, you have even savvier, younger wine people who are getting smaller and smaller producers, and they're allowing these wines to go everywhere. Like, mm. you know, Denver's getting a bunch of the allocations. They're sharing the love across other cities. It's always, if you think about it, you're one of a hundred brands for a certain region and everybody wants to go to LA. Everybody wants to go to New York. Everybody wants to go to San Francisco. That's heavy competition. You go to St. Louis, Cincinnati, Omaha, you're one of three importers instead of one of 30, and you sell a lot of wine. And there's the consumer is also savvier and wants higher quality. They just don't want jug wine from Modesto. They want high quality wines. They want high quality beers. Long time ago, um, Coors never came to the East Coast. I think there was a thing about it never went across the Mississippi. Um, <coughs> At Tire was that beer in the 90s. Yep. <laughs> you know, I had a friend who had a friend that went to Colorado and brought me a six pack back of Fat Tire. Bells <laughs> did not yeah. leave Michigan at all. Yeah. And I knew Bells from vacationing up in Traverse City. Um, you could only get it there. It was a treat. When you went up, you bought Founders and you bought Bells, and you went to Traverse City and chilled out. Um, I just had the same experience just now. Um, and I tried to get this beer into LA uh, a long time ago, so 08, 09. Yingling from Pennsylvania. Oh, from you don't want that beer. Oh, oh I love that beer. You gotta be kidding me. Oh, yeah. it is I, there's a nostalgia angle to that beer. I was on a job in Pottsville um, for like a week. I was in Pottsville. Did you, did you go on a bender? Because the only <laughs> reason you drink Yingling is so you can drink like nine beers a day. It is a high volume beer. It, it, it actually gives legitimacy to Budweiser's claim of being the king of beers. And I say this with nothing but conviction and no targeted hate. Only because my wife is from Philadelphia. Yingling's a thing there. And she will come on and go, yeah, that stuff is garbage. I don't right. know what you were doing for a week. But it was yep. not good. It must have involved frozen white castles. <laughs> gas station fare. And chewing tobacco. Because that and, and you want a boat. Because yeah, let me tell you, Yingling, you do not get to talk about some rare orchard that makes orange wine in the Basque style. Yingling. <laughs> I will not allow that ever. So my point about Yingling is that we're in New Orleans. I thought Yingling was, you know, it was in Pennsylvania. And then because the family vacationed in Florida, it was in Florida. It is everywhere in, in New Orleans. Everywhere. Every bar, every restaurant had a tap of Yingling. It was all over the place. Yeah. Which was weird because they were always... The family, whoever owns it, says, we are a Pennsylvania uh, brewery. We will only sell in Pennsylvania, whatever. Um, 
Distribution yeah. has gotten very, very savvy. You can buy bells in Los Angeles now. In yeah, in drug. Yeah. Well, so you that know, was probably half the problem with the old uh, with the old concept is that the big cities were getting the the stuff right. We, we weren't getting it over to the small cities. The, the distribution yeah. now is the distribution is so savvy, like you said, and 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 that's what's fueling this these great second markets. I think God, Philadelphia people hate Yingling so much. I I didn't know your wife was from Philly. I never would have brought I mean, up Yingling. Yeah, I don't think it's up. I think the people in Philadelphia will drink the heck out of it because it's from Philadelphia and they will love that. Like, He's saying his wife's not afraid to uh, bash it. Is oh, that what no, you're I saying? thought it was from uh, Pottsville, Pennsylvania, like the middle of nowhere. I, you know, I, I can't say it's like from the actual city. I just know Yingling is a thing. Like yeah. you go to the bar in Philadelphia and like, boom, there it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I was watching uh, Mayor of Easton. Um, just starting it. Yeah. All they're drinking in the TV show is England out of high neckers. I, yeah. well, you know, I want to throw this out there, and this is some of the things. And we're just in this era and age where it's like there's all. I mean, the beer cans are just like the most insane artwork ever. Like you right. know, yeah. the, the art, the renaissance of art is on a beer can, apparently. Because yeah. it, yes. sometimes it's even better than the beer. That's more a reflection of the art. But you know, like the 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 fact that you can go, and I think we want to go so special, so niche. And I want to bring up this correlation, honestly, with music. Because living in L.A. for a long time, right? Yeah. You know, you'd just go to a bar, you know, into the early 2000s for sure. And it would be like, you know, Heineken, Newcastle, Amstel Light. Like, kind of like whatever, like, British pub beers were. But that was pretty much it. Guinness, yeah. right? Sierra Nevada. And you'd get your Sierra Nevadas. And Stuff then that's like super average in Europe was like fascinating to us Americans out here. You know, that Heineken really? Amstel Light that. thing was, that was a crazy, I don't know what they were thinking with the, the you know, everyone's just like, Heineken, Amstel Light. I don't think people cared, at least in L.A. When I would, but then the same time, same time frame, if I went up to San Francisco, I would go to a bar, and all of a sudden it would be Scrimshaw, Red Seal Ale, Red Hawk <laughs> Beer, you know, all this nature on a bottle, you know, and and then and, and also at the bar, you know, like I wouldn't be listening to uh, Smash Mouth, I'd be listening to like indie rock. And what's interesting is like how, all these niche things are so much more accessible right now. Like I, now with like Spotify, I plug in all the bands I like. Forget the radio. You know what I right. mean? Like I am just right, right. into a whole other new curated world of music. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, we now live in a world. It's a very interesting thing where you can really just focus on these particular flavors and completely ignore the yinglings of the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... I have a beer can story. I went to an art opening last night, oh, okay. um, and it was an old, well, it was a few people, but it was mainly snowboarders. Um, this snowboarder now does, I'm trying to find his name. His name's Pat. Um, it was in Evergreen at this art community. Uh, it was a great show. They had a panel. They sat around and talked. He just, well, I don't know when he did it, but he did a beer can art. So he's a mural painter now, yeah. and he does paintings too, but he basically climbs buildings and does murals around Denver um, and around the Front Range. He did a beer can, and it is 
a cool beer can for mm -hmm. Denver Beer Co. for their Pilsner. And oh. it's his art on that yes. beer can. So they're hiring artists to do art under the beer can with a cool name. I can't remember the name. It didn't just say Denver Beer Co. Pilsner, I don't think. You have to have some sort of uh, fun name to go with your beer. Um, but yeah, I was at an art opening last night. And everybody was drinking that beer with his art on it. It's so, so great. We have all these options. A while ago, and now because I feel like it's always good to have some controversial smack talk to liven up this conversation. Um, <laughs> you mean you mean you know, the Yingling conversation wasn't Yingling enough was smack good. talk? So remember when I got the um uh, <laughs> that beer from the beer service or whatever? Yeah, strawberry Mollington beer, beer, right? And I was drinking them. I was super excited because you know cool i got a bunch of beer for free that were interesting mm -hmm. like craft beers that i like lots of different ipas cool looking cans cool looking cans and then i was drinking them and i was like man like i want to like this more but it's like it's like good it's not great you know and when you have a lot of good not great and it's heavy beer you're like oh no more of this heavy heavy you know it's I like mean, the that's beer that's definitely the music industry i mean there's like so many mediocre songs with like these beautiful people perfectly packaged great artwork and then they you hear this average ass song and then you know you see some ugly guy singing the most beautiful song you've ever heard in your life and it has no promo and it's 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 just the way it is right like these modern times or or maybe it's just like what you have access to so in my thing yeah. i started to actually realize like i am the most like when you live in texas this whole thing becomes like it's like texas first everyone like the texas pride is out of control i don't right. get it i don't understand it i don't want to ever accept it right i will say this though the beer's really good the beer's really good. Now, I want to be open-minded and go, maybe the stuff that I got shipped was not, uh, you know, as fresh as it could be. Because obviously, if I'm getting beer from a local brewery here, I mean, it's kind of hard to beat that, right? That right. being said, I but was those just... Those may have been stuff that was unsellable that they threw into a... You know what I mean? Maybe they were having a hard time selling it. I don't know. I mean, like, well, here, well, here's the thing. Two things. I was I was tagging the heck out of it on Instagram. I had a buddy of mine who's super into beer. He's, he lives in St. Louis. He was like, I love that brewery. It's super good. I had people, like, I, I got a lot of good um, uh, comments back. People were like, oh, yeah, that beer's great. Da, da, da. So then I was in St. Petersburg, and a number of the beers I had were from Florida, from Miami, actually, right? Mm, Untitled was one, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we went to this, like, cool, like, um you know, a uh, sports bar, beer bar place, uh, our first night. And they had this gimmick where like you get a bracelet and then you go to the uh, tap and they, you can basically pick whatever beer you want. Right. And they yeah. had like okay. beers. And I totally was like, Oh, there's all the beers that I got from the delivery. Oh. Here the right here. Right? So nice. I'm drinking them and um, it's kind of controversial, but I'll just say it. Like, I, think like i don't know I, mean, I think the beer in texas is really really good like it's um i mean i, I still like some other ones like i, I love to shoot i love bell's hazy but man and, and and i think some of the beers that i'm having here are literally just like i don't think they have any distribution you know what i mean right. they're just kind of like here but like it's like just lights out really really good um nice. so yeah texas is better than florida on the beer tip <laughs> yes <laughs> got fired <laughs> not the grouper though 
They get no. they really, if you want fish in a bun, Florida wins that. For <laughs> secondary cities, Ali, did you notice the secondary tier sort of stuff? Are they um are they doing a lot of regional stuff or is it transcendent? Are you saying you're gonna find a good uh, steakhouse there or, or are you saying are they tapping into the regional aspects of that? You know, I, I have to add that, you know, we did have some limitations because we're doing a show called Cheap Eat. So everything's right. kind of budgeted and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think though, that being said, um, not every second tier city is lights out. I think that there are places like Louisville and Charleston, which are actually interesting because there, it's not some Johnny come lately. Those are actually old cities that have yeah. old money. Uh, yeah. in the case of Louisville, there's a uh, culinary school there. There used to be a, a big one in Charleston. So th there is like kind of like a tradition of food there that I yeah. think, again, you know, you have chefs, good chefs do their homework. They research, they travel, they see what's going on. They taste other things. I mean, chefs are like, I think that's one of the best things, uh, especially it's, I think works so well with say Anthony Bourdain's show is like this guy like new people. He knew people in the business, you know what I mean? And then people in the business are like, oh, hey, what's up? Let me hook you up. And it's just, no, like a uh, buddy of mine's a chef and he went to go see Sean Brock in Nashville and he was like, Jesus, stop, enough. You know, they just send you stuff. They like to go yeah. to town or whatever. Um, so, you know, like, I feel like when they, sometimes there's a bit of a fail rate when they try and reinvent the wheel. You know what I'm saying? Like when they yeah. go, Okay. No, here's I was in Buffalo, New York, and they were like, "All right, we're doing wings," and they did a wing called a beef on wet, which actually surprisingly was very, very good. But like, you know, the old places are just the old places; they just kind of do their thing, and you just have to appreciate it for what it is, whether yeah. it's super yeah. good or not. I think what's interesting is when you talk about second tier cities, you're talking about uh, a chefs and restaurants that are. Daring, daring to raise the bar, daring to yeah. take the customers to an experience that they're simply not accustomed to. St. Louis is a perfect example. It's such a red sauce Italian town. They have their own kind of brand of Italian American, which is just like, how much Parmesan can you fit? <laughs> I mean, literally one time we went and got a salad and my wife was like, it was covered in, in cheese, covered in mozzarella cheese. And my wife, salad? I didn't order, yes, exactly. Yeah. Smoking like salad. someone born and raised in California <laughs> on a salad. <laughs> and my wife literally was like, um, oh, there's all this cheese on the salad. I didn't know it yeah. came with cheese. He goes, oh, well, you should have said something. As if when you order a salad, it, it obviously just comes with cheese. I mean, like, I mean, there, there's, there's, That's to be so honest, and you, you, I've known Steve, you know this. There is a thing, like I tell you, in the Midwest, it's like, it, it's not just portions. Part of it is just like, how are you fitting like all this meat in here? Like that, we went to a yes. joint that had this chef salad. It looked like a hoagie exploded. I mean, <laughs> they, they dare call it a salad. So when you have a restaurant, that's like, listen, we are, um, so some of the items are vegetarian. You know what I mean? That's, they're kind of going, hey, guys, let's just, try and, and and break away from the you know the expectation of like hot buttered bread at the start of the meal you know what right. I mean? we just yeah. like we six that so i think it is about um second tier cities and these restaurants it's really about like challenging the norms yes 
and There's some maverick okay. aspect going on. Yeah, yeah, it is. Huh. It is. Um, in fact, this one place, uh, Gerard Kraft. Yeah, his first restaurant was called Niche. He was just, it's so funny because I ate there and I was like, well, I have all kinds of farm to table and I'm just going up to San Francisco all the time. I didn't need to eat that cuisine. I, I needed to eat the salad with a ton of cheese on it because that's what I could not get in in, 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 in L.A., you right. know. Um, but uh, at the same time, like, you have to respect that he's there to create some sort of, you know, this goes back to like when we talk about what makes a first tier city and we kind of talk about it with population, we want like everything, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you yeah, want yeah. the Ethiopian joint on Fairfax yes. and you want the, the chef who's like on TV. You want yeah. both. You don't want one or the other, you know what I mean? To be like, you know, this is what's really happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we're uh, we're running long on today's episode. It's a it's a it's a great topic. I mean, there's 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 so much to untap. I love the stories of of wealthy people flying out, exquisite chefs to open their own. I mean, that's the just the best. I love that concept. It's so great. They did. Um, they did. So yeah, and perhaps we can uh, we can get into this more if we're inspired in the future. Yeah. Get some more second tier stuff, but uh, we should pull up some of the. Um... I'll show you the menu items and some of these old school dishes because they truly are lost. Right now, they are lost in time. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, let's share that. Let's share the stuff when when the episode airs. We'll do it on social media that week and share some of the stuff. That sounds great. Oh yeah. Cool. I even have uh, an old um, menu from that uh, wine bar restaurant I worked at in the nineties. Awesome. Um, very simple. Yeah. I'll yeah, find that'd be it. cool. Let's let's tie it all in with this, and that'll be great. I love this. Uh, I love this concept and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, wrap up episode ten with the boys. Etdt. <laughs> Lots of stuff this episode. Congrats, uh, guys, gentlemen. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Don't awesome. Cool. I'm gonna make <laughs> your soul, and then we'll make it with tilapia and tell people. To <laughs> yes. <laughs> tilapia, no. <laughs> Bye, guys. All right.